You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. This is your host, Randy Sutton, 34-year police veteran, retired from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department as a lieutenant, the author of A Cop's Life and several other books. Check them out on Amazon.com. And of course, I'm most proud of being the founder of The Wounded Blue, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. Now on this show, you will hear all about law enforcement news from a law enforcement perspective. Some of it you'll agree with, some of you won't. It's uh, my opinions or simply just that, my opinions. And if you uh, want to connect with me, go to Facebook at uh, the Voice of American Law Enforcement. I love to hear from people who uh, are listening to this show. So uh, let's get right into it. There's a ton of stuff to talk about uh, on this Thanksgiving week. And uh, let me say happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I hope you enjoy a wonderful, safe holiday. So let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. So I'm going to talk about the Rittenhouse verdict in just a little bit. We all know that he was found innocent of all charges, all charges. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But there's there's a, an ancillary story that has stuck in my craw. It has angered me and it has frustrated me. And and, and it's it's part of the, the this entire um, woke narrative that, that has been put out there by uh, activist groups and politicians and and actors and actresses where they have vilified this kid Rittenhouse from the very beginning. Now, I judge things from a law enforcement perspective. When I saw the videotape of, of, this, of this kid Rittenhouse opening fire on people who are attacking him, I kept on trying to think, what does the prosecution have that that wants and necessitates these really serious charges like, uh, well, hmm, murder? I thought perhaps there might be some other um, information out there. But it eventually turns out that, no, there wasn't any other information out there, that this was... This is a bogus prosecution from from start to finish. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about a police officer in Norfolk, Virginia, who when this case first came out, he, like many in law enforcement, saw the videotapes and, and, and looked at the information and said, this kid's getting railroaded. I want to do something to help. Well, there was a anonymous GoFundMe that was set up, or one of those uh, crowdfunding platforms. And this officer, Lieutenant William Kelly with the Norfolk, Virginia Police Department, who had served honorably for almost almost two decades, made an anonymous donation of 25 bucks. So he sent $25 to this crowdfunding platform to donate to the defense, because we all know that a defense for for a situation like this is astronomically expensive, and and he also he also sent 
a note, a, pri- a, a note saying something along the lines of, you know, he 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 wanted him to have the best luck, and and he was going to give to his to his uh, defense. So he sent a private note. He sent an anonymous donation. Well, one of the one of the hackers that is prone to do things like this somehow managed to hack that uh, GoFundMe or that crowdfunding and then published all of the names of the people that donated to this fund. Well, William Kelly's name came out. He's an active duty lieutenant on the Norfolk Police Department. Well, what does his chief and the city manager do? They fire him. They fire him for sending 25 bucks and and a, and a, and a note to a kid that he thinks is being railroaded, which eventually is proven out in court. So they make this decision. Oh, by the way, this chief, I I mean, he is he is one of those one of those new woke chiefs who actually marched in uniform during a protest against police. So that, that if that gives you any indication of what a turd this guy is, I think I think that's that pretty much says it all. But it goes way beyond that. So now he sees that one of his officers did a anonymous donation to Kyle Rittenhouse and fires him with with the, the blessing of the town uh, administrator. So now Rittenhouse is acquitted of all charges, meaning he didn't do the crime. And this is this is from a, a headline. Cop fired for Rittenhouse donation wants job back after acquittal. Lieutenant William Kelly was fired after sending an anonymous donation and message supporting Kyle Rittenhouse. And it's uh, this is from an article written by Susie Ziegler. A Virginia police officer is asking for his job back after Kyle Rittenhouse was cleared of all charges last week. Lieutenant William Kelly was fired in April when Norfolk police learned he had sent an anonymous donation to Rittenhouse's defense fund. Rittenhouse was on trial for killing two people during a night of unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, in an interview with the Daily Mail, Kelly said he wants his job back. He said, quote, I love being a cop. It's a, it's a part of me and who I am. It was a huge hit to me to lose my job. If I get the chance again, I'll jump on it, unquote. So now the city of Norfolk said Kelly's egregious comments erode the trust between the police department and the community. Now, he has filed a grievance against the department and hopes for a hearing date, hopefully in the near future. But I, I just... I just want to point out that this police administration, like many others across the United States now, have embraced this insane radical wokeness philosophy to the point where they are willing to sacrifice their own cops in the pursuit of this type of, of nonsense. And, and, you know, we're always talking about police accountability, police accountability. Well, who holds the chief, who holds the administrator responsible for, for their actions? 
because they have qualified immunity. They can't be they can't be sued personally unless they they have to the, the defendant would have to prove all kinds of crazy stuff. But the town's going to pay. I guarantee you. This is so egregious what they did. And now who will hold them accountable? This is a really good question. But what it is, it's really disheartening to see law enforcement leadership literally um, just kind of throw any type of common sense, any compassion, any sense of justice right out the window because of their political wokeness. This chief does not deserve to wear that badge. He needs to go. And so does that city administrator. That's just one of the things. Let's talk about the Rittenhouse verdict again. I watched with great interest a great deal of that trial. Because I was trying to figure out, what am I missing here? Why are they charging Kyle Rittenhouse with this, with this litany of offenses that would keep him in prison for the rest of his life? For what I saw as clearly... Clearly, on video, self-defense. Well, in watching, all I saw was, including from the defense's own witnesses, this was an unmitigated case of self-defense from day one. They never should have prosecuted him. This was persecution by prosecution. You've heard me say that term before, usually involving prosecutions of police officers. But in this case, but in this case, Rittenhouse was a per, was persecution by prosecution. The evidence placed before the jury so clearly made the case of the defense that prosecutor has got to be one of the most inept, incompetent trial attorneys, trial prosecutors I've ever seen in my life. At one point, he picked up a rifle, the rifle that Rittenhouse used, with his finger in the trigger guard and pointed it right point blank into the faces of, of the jury. Now, this coming on the heels of the, uh, of the um, accidental, quote, accidental shooting uh, on, the, on the set with Alex Baldwin, this defied description when it comes down to any type of common sense. But, but watching the, the, the district attorney, uh, well, the assistant district attorney, uh, make this, make this uh, case was, was painful to watch, really. He was so inept, so incompetent. This clearly was not a prosecution that should have been, uh, should or not have been made. Now, of course, who holds the, the real reins here? Well, it would be the, the district attorney who made the decision to prosecute. And this prosecution was, uh, was senseless. All it did was, was create a further divide because he didn't have the guts to do the right thing and say at the outset, this kid didn't do anything wrong. He saved his own life. A guy pointed a gun at him. He shot him. Well, what would you do? And, the, and the, watching the district attorney flail away with this, ridiculous line of questioning just made me just made me cringe really prosecution is supposed to be on the side of justice not on the side of political wokeness and that's what this prosecution was all about 
And then, of course, you have the media who has just vilified this kid since day one. Since the moment this happened, they have, they have defamed him in ways that I haven't seen since the Covington kid. You remember him, the one who was videotaped uh, with the American uh, Indian dude. And they, and they came after him and, and accused him of all kinds of untrue things. Well, they did the same thing with Rittenhouse. Now, it, it seems that Rittenhouse is now, is now getting advice from the other guy, which I hope he takes. And I hope he sues everybody from the president on down in, in the media uh, for their incredible attacks on him that were un- completely unjustified. And now that he's been found not guilty, you would think that that the mainstream media who would would be who should be apologizing saying you know what maybe we got this one wrong they're not doing that they are continuing with the narrative and what does this narrative do it divides america more and more and more and you got to wonder what's the motivation here shouldn't the media be reporting the truth shouldn't our criminal justice system be respected enough that these jurors who, by the way, faced incredible pressure, they weren't even sequestered. They were, they were going home every night and they were facing the wrath of the media and the, and probably their, some of their own neighbors and family. Um, and then, the, and then MSNBC actually tried to photograph them, follow the bus to get them identified. It's it's absolute madness. It's incredible what they have done and it's continuing even to this day. It is it's shocking, truly. Um, but we're but we're continuing to see this happen. So that's that's really all I'm going to say it, uh, about the written house and uh, the the lieutenant in uh, Norfolk who is being persecuted and lost his job. Well, I'm going to continue to keep you advised about that, so I'm going to be watching that really, really closely. Now let's talk about more madness, more madness in California. If you watch Fox News, you might have seen me this week. I was on a number of times. I was on Fox and Friends. I was on Cavuto a couple times, Shannon Bream Show, all talking about these topics, such as Rittenhouse, the... uh, California issues involving looting. Now, that's what we're going to talk about now. You've heard me on this show talk about specific cities. And not shockingly, these same cities keep coming up in the news about topics about law enforcement. And there, I know this will shock you, San Francisco, Los Angeles, the Bay Area, not, not just San Francisco. And the, and the same type of issues keep coming up, and that is the incredible level of crime that is enveloping these cities. Well, one of the things that's been happening even more so in the last couple of weeks, but has been getting a lot of attention are the systematic looting of high-end stores in these cities. Let me read you 
This is from the Associated Press. Los Angeles Luxury Mall, latest to be hit by smash-and-grab thieves. The incident led to a police pursuit just days after high-end stores throughout the Bay Area were targeted. A group of thieves smashed windows at a department store at a luxury mall in Los Angeles, triggering a police pursuit just days after high-end stores throughout the San Francisco Bay Area were targeted. The latest incident in a national trend of smash-and-grab crimes targeted a Nordstrom store at the Grove Retail and Entertainment Complex. It came as the country's largest consumer electronics chain said an increase in organized theft was taking a toll on its bottom line. Workers covered a large broken window at the Nordstrom with black plywood Tuesday morning as security guards and shoppers alike came in and out of the store. Michael Moore, chief of the Los Angeles Police Department, said the agency would beef up its visible patrols around high-end stores citywide beginning Tuesday. Well, okay, um, that's, that's really nice, Chief. You're going to step up your patrols, but what happens when uh, your, your police officers try to arrest somebody and they aren't really allowed to because the state legislature of California has made it almost impossible to prosecute and arrest for retail crimes? Yeah, that's how about that? Now, in a related story, Mayor blocks off streets near San Francisco's Union Square after mass lootings. Mayor of San Francisco's solution to the flash mob-style looting of several high-end retailers in the Bay Area last weekend was to announce the shutdown of streets around the city's Union Square shopping district. We're going to be making some changes to Union Square and how cars are able to access San Francisco Mayor London Breed announced at a joint press conference. Yeah, okay, that's what to do. Let's just limit the shopping experience because you don't have the guts and you don't have the wherewithal to allow the police to handle a crime problem. And that's what the real issue is here. So let's let's talk let's do a little deeper dive on why these retail stores now one of them lost over a million dollars. 80 people armed with crowbars and hammers smashed into the place. And just literally, they had they had 80 cars lined up that they just filled with stolen goods and then drove away. This is organized crime at its best. And yet it's being treated like it's just a shoplifting. This is an armed robbery, people. When you go in and you threaten people, some were armed with guns, some with crowbars, some with hammers, some with pepper spray. And you utilize those instruments in the, in the taking of items... That's called robbery. That's a felony crime. And yet these are being treated like shopliftings. So in its wisdom, in its wisdom, the California State Legislature a number of years ago passed a proposition that, that, was, that wound up winning the, the Golden Fleece Award for its, for its uh, advertising, its false advertising, and trying to get this, this passed. And what it did basically was take a felony crime and make it a misdemeanor. They raised the, the amount of money to $950 that, that created the difference between a, a misdemeanor crime and a felony crime. So in other words, if you go to, into Nordstrom and you steal an item 
of a thousand dollars, you you can be treated like a felon. It's a it's a it's a grand theft. However, if you limit it to a nine hundred and fifty dollar item, it's a misdemeanor. You just get basically a traffic ticket. You get a ticket and you get released on your way. And the chances of you even getting prosecuted are minimal, absolutely minimal. So crooks aren't stupid. They may, they, well, they may in some ways be, but they, they see an easy mark. So the state legislature passed this law. This is, this, this is years ago. They decriminalized a lot of other things, including uh, auto burglary. Cops don't even respond to auto burglaries anymore. They happen literally every five minutes in the Bay Area, just as these retail thefts happen every, you know, almost every day. We had, Walgreens has closed five, six, ten stores. Other retailers are leaving the, the Bay Area because they, they are literally powerless to try and protect themselves from the, the carnivores who are uh, literally stealing them blind. And what's the answer from the law enforcement community? Well, if you are in San Francisco area and you have Chesa Bowden as your district attorney, he will he refuses to prosecute anybody for anything, especially retail theft. And he got elected on that platform. So now the people of San Francisco are laying in the bed that they made for themselves by voting radicals like the mayor and Chesa Bowden into office. And the same thing in Los Angeles with uh, with Gascon. Now, it's interesting. There are actually two re- recall efforts now that have been uh, put into place to try and recall Gascon, to try and recall Chesa Bowden. But in the meantime, the retail community in these cities, in the state of California, are, are quite literally left to fend for themselves. Now, what happens if a security guard that, is try, that has been hired to protect the store tries to intervene? Well, guess what? They will sue the store. They will prosecute the store. They'll prosecute the security officer for assault if he puts his hands on a theft suspect. It is madness what's happening there. Madness. And, and yet you see, in fact, I, I read an article the other day that I, was mind-boggling. Some political pundit viewed this, this tsunami of crime as, quote, reparations, unquote, for years of racism. It, it's, it's mind-boggling to see the way that some people are thinking, and not one or two, but but thousands and tens of thousands across the United States who are embracing a philosophy of crime as, as a social justice tool. So there's a lot happening in California. There's a lot happening in, uh, in a lot of other cities across America with this insane wokeness that is permeating America. Until we get a handle on it, until we... As a, as a country, say enough is enough, and we allow people to defend themselves, as in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, and defend their own properties, as we see in the case in California. Well, the predators will continue to prey upon the weak.
And if it isn't for the sheepdogs like the police, the flock is going to be disintegrating and going to be attacked and is going to be bloodied. So support your law enforcement. Get out and become an activist yourself, an activist on the part of law enforcement and your community. And that's all I have to say for now, but we will be back again soon. And uh, I've got a great guest waiting for us in the interview room. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, taking AC11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC11. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hi, this is Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. And everybody is shopping online now, right? Everybody is is going and getting their wares because it's convenient, it's easier. But here's the problem. I don't like giving my money to companies that simply don't go along with the values that I believe are important. I value patriotism. I value love of country. I value our police. I value our army and our navy and our military. I believe that these are really important values. And unfortunately, a lot of the big players in online shopping, they don't. They Instead, they, they promote a bunch of, of, of activists that that truly do not even like our country. I don't like it. So, but, you know, what else are you going to do? There's pretty much just been one game in town. Well, that's changing right now. That's changing because now there is ShopToTheRight.com. Now, ShopToTheRight.com is a new endeavor, but it is it is gaining traction for shopping online and putting your, your wares online if you are a business and, and looking for customers that care about the country, that care about patriotism, care about values that the most of us uh, do share. And, and, and it really comes down to this. Do you want to give your money to companies that promote organizations that actually 
sometimes even call for the overthrow of our nation. Not me. I don't want to. Well, I never had much of a choice, but now we do. ShopToTheRight.com. you got to check it out. Whether you are shopping or you are selling, and you're a company, check it out. ShopToTheRight.com. Tell them Randy sent you. I want to tell you about an organization that I'm going to ask you to support. It's called The Wounded Blue, and you can see it at thewoundedblue.org. They are the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. Now, by uh, I have to tell you the truth, and that is that I am the founder of that organization and the national director. What do they do? They provide peer support for injured and disabled officers all over the United States. They have a team of dedicated police officers, all who have been shot or stabbed or beaten or run over or faced psychological trauma, and they know exactly what these men and women are going through today. It's free, of course, because this is a national nonprofit charitable organization. They don't take any fees. Nobody makes any money on this deal. This is just about helping those men and women who have sacrificed so much for their communities and their country. Check it out at thewoundedblue.org. Your support is is really needed. These men and women uh, have been abused in ways you can't even imagine. In fact, if you got a moment, go to Amazon.com and look at our documentary film called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. You will be shocked. Check it out, thewoundedblue.org, and support these men and women. Thank you. I'm not sure there has been a more dangerous time to be a law enforcement officer in America. Besides the, the physical attacks, there is all the social media nonsense taking place. And, and all. I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's a really tough time. But one of the things that's, that technology is, is been not the, not the officer's friend is the ability for people to dox cops. That is to find their personal information and utilize it for nefarious purposes. Now, this tech type of technology is everywhere if you know how to use it. And there's there's very few ways that a cop can protect himself. Well, now there is a way. Um, I got a I got a, a, a friend named named Peter James, and Pete James is a retired cop, and he started a company called OfficerPrivacy.com. This is a really really something I want you to listen to. He's developed a way to get your personal records off of the internet. That's right. You can get your personal identifying information off of the internet so that people cannot find you, dox you, um, place your family in jeopardy, etc. It's officerprivacy.com. Now, besides doing that, and it's, it's not expensive at all. Besides doing that, he's now, he's now working with um, another law enforcement officer Covert Media Consulting, and the owner of that is John Hawk, a 13-year law enforcement veteran who's uh, assigned to a violent crime task force. And what they have done, they have put together a training course that can be utilized that will help officers' safety when it comes down to issues like this. So I want you to go to uh, officerprivacy.com. Check it out. It's it's This is not expensive. It is life altering stuff because you know when you have peace of mind that you are safer and your family safer you're going to be better at your job so check it out officerprivacy.com 
With me today in the interview room of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, is a, uh, I'm gonna t- I gotta tell you, he's a 50 year, 50, 50 year veteran police officer and the author of an incredible crime novel uh, called The Long Last Out. Michael Riley is with me in the interview room of Blue Lives Radio. Michael, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Randy. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my, it is my pleasure. So, Michael, let's talk a little bit about your law enforcement career. I know you did 25 years with Philly, but that wasn't enough for you, apparently. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your law enforcement career. Uh, yeah, I, I joined Philly in uh, September of 1970. Uh, I did 25 years with the department. I worked patrol. I worked about almost 10 years in undercover narcotics investigations. Uh, I promoted the detective. So we worked everything from minor thefts to homicides and uh, then uh, promoted to sergeant before I retired. And uh, I was a patrol sergeant in a a high crime district in South Philadelphia. Um, Retired in 95. And I guess I was a glutton for punishment. I stayed in the business uh, went with a uh, school district police and, and, uh, security and, uh, did about 10 years in that. And then from there, I went, became a 911 communications officer at the uh, Princeton university department of public safety for 15 years. So, uh, I had a little bit of everything, I guess you might say, you know, I'd say you paid your dues. I can tell you that for sure. Um, so you, you worked a variety of times you were, but most of the time you were a street cop when you were in Philadelphia, which of course is, uh, is a very active police department. Yes. Yes. So now you, you did all these, you you did a 50 year law enforcement career and then you authored a book. Yes. So tell me about what was it that inspired you to write this book? Um, About eight years ago, I came up with, with a premise for, for a book and it was based loosely uh, on a, couple of incidents that took place in Philadelphia in the past. And one of them happened in 1959. And I remember this as a kid, I was 10 years old and uh, an officer, he's walking his beat and he vanishes. Uh, The second incident was in 2005 and uh, it was a young dating couple in their thirties. They met with friends at a restaurant on South street. Uh, Afterwards, they leave and they're last seen getting into his vehicle, a, a Dodge uh, pickup truck, and uh, going east on South Street. And that was it. Never seen again. The vehicle was gone. They were gone and never seen again. Still an open case. So based on those two premises, loosely, I, I created a fictional crime mystery. Uh, and it's uh, it, it, police officers involved. But it's much more than just a cop story. I mean, it's uh, it, it's a true mystery. It's a page turner, and but it's also about friends and the bonds that officers form and their families. You know, uh, while working together, you know, for many years. Uh, it's a four point seven star rating on Amazon. I've had a lot of great reviews back, and uh, people tell me a lot of twists and turns, which I wanted to put in there. You know. That's it's great. an entertaining book, uh, Randy. Entertaining. I, I can't wait to, to read it. I know you're you're sending me a copy, and uh, I, yes. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a reader. I love I love uh, especially crime novels. So I'm looking forward to that. But you know, 
when you when you write a book, I, of course, I've authored four, so I understand the yes. process that goes through this. It is completely in a different realm, a different world than than what you have experienced before. Tell me about the challenges you faced and and uh, and the journey that uh, that you came into writing this book. Well, uh, I, I started out, like I say, eight years ago, I wrote one chapter and lost interest. Then about three years ago, our, our only granddaughter was born. So we have all boys in the family. So we didn't know what to do. And she kind of inspired me. So I figured I picked it up again and I just started writing. Next, next thing you know, I had like 112,000 words on paper. So uh, I wanted to make sure, you know, first time writer, I don't know what I'm doing really. I wrote thousands of police reports, but it's not a novel, you know. So, so I was able to contact uh, an actual editor from, from a very large, one of the top uh, publishing houses, and he agreed to, to take a look at it and analyze it on the side, which he did. And I told him to be honest. I said, look, if it's junk, tell me it's if it's junk. I don't want to waste my time. So he took it and he told me, he says, yeah, you need a lot of grammar. You got to cut the words back, blah, blah, blah. He says, but you got a great story here. So Four months later, I edited it. I did what he told me, sent it back to him. And he said, wow, you got something here. So I kind of tested the waters before I went forward with this. Uh, I didn't want, like I said, I don't want to waste my time. If it was, you know, if it was just like a flash in a pan or just uh, something I think is great, you know. But uh, so that's what made me proceed. I, I cut the wordage down and I did the grammar and everything he told me, you know. It's, it's an interesting process, isn't it? I mean, oh. you know, everybody everybody says that they they want to write a book. Yeah, you know? I mean that's 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 a that's a pretty common thing to to hear. Uh, oh yeah. But to actually the work that's involved in it it is immense. And this was a this was basically an eight year project for you. Oh, this was a uh, this is going on a three year project. And in the, after it was published, uh, you know, I said, now what do I do? So, so I had people come back and they say, you know, something, this would make a great movie. This, this book would make, this story would make a great movie. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually transposed it into a, into a screenplay for a TV miniseries. So I'm shopping that around. Uh, hopefully I get some interest. I don't know. It's very tough out there, you know, but uh I, I do have it finished, completed with a pilot episode. So uh, that's very that, that's really exciting stuff. Really yeah. exciting stuff. Have you um, have you shared this with any of the the guys that you used to work with? Oh yeah, they they loved it. In fact, I'll, I'll give you a, for instance. Uh, one gentleman, he was a uh, Philadelphia police officer, and then he uh, he got his degree and he went over with the FBI, and. Uh, did many years with the FBI. And uh, in, in the 1980s, he formed a society called the VDUC Society. And what they are is a cold case squad. And um, they have unbelievable forensic people that they invite to become members of homicide detectives, things of this nature. They hold a meeting once a month in Philadelphia and any department in the country is invited to bring in their cold cases. So uh, Mr. Fleischer read my book and he he loved it. He called me out of the blue. I don't know how he got my number. Well, he's a detective, you know, that's how. And uh, he says, I love it. I want you to bring I want to bring it down to the V-Duck Society meeting. I, and Randy, I'll tell you, that was one of the highlights of my career. I went down there and listened to a 40 year old cold case and the way that these 
these uh, professionals just, oh my God, it was amazing what they did. And uh, so, you know, I'll take his word for it. it, it he loved the book. <laughs> He said it put them right back working the wagon. He said. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, this, this I find the the premise fascinating. So let's go back to the 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 true story, the true part of this. And that was the yep. disappearance of this police officer. Yes. What was? Uh, it, tell me about that. Okay. in In 1959, August 1st, uh, Officer William Reese, he's walking his beat in uh, the 25th district. Uh, he steps off a curb onto a cobblestone street and a street caved in. They, they didn't know where he was. I mean, they had an idea. Yeah, he probably he might have fell down this thing. Here it was an underground creek that years, many years ago, they had uh, bricked it up. And uh, it must have been leaking. And, and the void was enormous. It was, oh, my God, you could put a barn in it. Uh, here, eight days later, they found him two and a half miles in the storm sewer, two and a half miles, and he was about a block away from the Delaware River, you know, washing out to the Delaware River. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he didn't make it, but it was, there was no way anybody could survive. It was pushing about 15,000 gallons a minute, this storm sewer. So, uh, but, but it was, I remember at 10 years old, I could still remember that case. And everybody was, you know, obviously upset in the city about this, you know. So you so you took a, a true event. Yeah. And then you use that as the as the premise for the beginning of the book. Yes. Uh, well, not not right in the beginning, but in the uh, you, you wove in it the into second the second act. Let's put it that way. <laughs> interesting. Really interesting. So but, but there there's other characters along the way, uh, you know, as you'll see. Uh that, that build this story up and, and it's um, a very, very entertaining. I will say that, you know, so you, you utilized your, your decades, literally decades yeah. of experience as a street cop to yes. now, is this like somewhat of somewhat of a procedural, somewhat of a procedural thing? It, it is. It does have, I mean, numerous stories in, in there, which most of them are true. Uh, to build the characters, you know, the fictional characters. Uh, the, the one character, uh, one of the main characters, he plays an older officer who's breaking in a rookie. Uh, he's based on a good buddy of mine I worked a wagon with for, for years. And he was just, he was found the humor and everything. Uh, five minutes after you met him, you felt like you knew him all your life. That's the kind of personality he had, you know. Uh, he passed away early. He passed away in 56 of brain cancer. Uh, but uh, in the department, if I mention his name, everybody, oh, man, great guy, great guy, you know. So it, whenever I, the one character, whenever I do the dialogue for him, I'm listening to the Big Mike's voice in my head. You know, that was his... <laughs> That was his voice. Right, the, right. The dialogue, you know. That's interesting. Interesting. So yeah. where so that where where do people get where can people find the book? Uh it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh ebook. Uh it's published through Liberty Hill Publishing. Uh you could get it through their bookstore or a paperback. Uh, but it's available at all outlets. And um it it's um uh, the, the first six months, it, I, I issued it in or it came out in March 
And uh, there's an organization in, in Philadelphia, South Jersey area called the Families Behind the Badge Children's Foundation. They run a bike uh, tour from the Ben Franklin Bridge to Atlantic City every year to raise funds for officers either killed in the line of duty or seriously wounded in the line of duty uh, in the Philadelphia and South Jersey area. So I donated the first six months to the organization. It was it was great. It, it was uh, really a good, good feeling. And, uh, you know, they ran their 34th running this year, uh, in, uh, August 29th. So they had a great outpouring of people doing the bike tour and had a lot of, they had a lot of fun doing it, you know. What, was, so well, yeah, that's 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 very cool. It's very cool yeah, that you that you um, gave the uh, um, you know the royalties, if you will, to uh, to a yeah. fantastic charity. Now you know one of the things that that um, a lot of people don't understand about writing a book, and that is the work really begins after you write the book. You know because oh, yeah. because it's it's. Um, even a major publisher, they put pretty much no effort into marketing the book. They, you know, there's an old, there's an old no. saying, you know, if you, if you're given, you could be giving away gold bars, exactly. you're going to sit on a stack of them unless people know about it. So it's the same thing about books. How are you marketing the book? How are you letting people know that it, that it's out there, that it exists? Well, uh, I, I'm 72 years old, so I'll readily admit I am technologically challenged. I still have a flip phone. Uh, but luckily, I have a, a daughter-in-law who's an IT person. She set me up with my own Facebook page. I never had it before. And then she set up a Facebook page for the book, and it's called the bookrookie.com Facebook page, not a website. O on that, I do a weekly blog. I'll just tell a story. You know, I figure I got to give it give give you guys something back, you know, I'm asking you to buy my book. So I'll give you a little story, you know? And, uh, so that, that's what I do to, to kind of generate it and, uh, business cards. But like you say, Randy, it's very tough. The easy part was writing the book compared to marketing the book. I know that's, that's, uh, that's something that, that the, uh, the, the reading public doesn't usually no. understand because, um, it's, and it's tough. It's really it, tough. So, it is. Um, you know, so so those who are listening to this this uh, broadcast right now, yeah. uh, they can find you on Facebook. What's the name of the Facebook page again? Okay, it's uh, it's the called the Book Rookie. One word: the Book Rookie. Facebook Facebook page. Are you going to be coming out with a website? Um. Yes, yeah, she's working on it. She's working on it. Uh. She'll have to give me uh, specific instructions, but uh, I'll work through it. <laughs> I, I understand. So how to, now, if, if people want to communicate with you about the book, yeah. where is the best place for it? Would that be Facebook? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would, at this time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they could go on there or they could, if they do get the book, they can leave a review on Amazon. I mean, you know, we'll, see that also um and that's important you know I, I want i want the listeners to know that um amazon reviews are very very critical yes. when it comes down to um you know marketing a book they uh th those reviews are really important so if you do 
if you do get a chance to either download the um, the electronic version of this, or you, yes. you, you pick up uh, you pick up the the paperback, um, I urge you to do just that to uh, um, to leave a review so that other people uh, know you know what you thought about the uh, about the book. I would appreciate that. That that would be great. And and believe me, I mean, I'm not just trying to, you know, blow own, my own horn, but you'll be entertained. Uh, you I, know, I, have, I have no doubt, Mike. You'll yeah, be entertained. In, in talking to you during the conversations we've had, I'm really looking forward to, to uh, checking out that book. It is yeah. called The Long Last Out. The, yes, uh, the author, Michael Riley, 50-year law enforcement veteran and um, 25 year veteran of the Philadelphia police department. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, Michael. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much. And I'm, I'm anxious to read your book. Well, thank you, Randy. I really appreciate uh, you giving me this opportunity and, and thank you for all the good work you're doing with, with blue lives. Uh, I, I've been reading all the articles and, and the old podcasts and you're just doing a great job. Thank you for all the officers out there. You're very welcome, and uh, it's my pleasure. So, Mike Riley, um, thanks again for joining me here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. If you go to HealthyCell.com, you can check out the technology, the products of Healthy Cell. These are very innovative products. They are a form of bio-nutraceuticals that are bioactive and they come in a variety of categories. One is daily essentials, which are the bioactive multi and the vegan essentials. And then the next category is performance. And this is the REM sleep supplement. I've talked about it a lot. I think it's very effective and I recommend it uh, for myself and for my family, but as well as my patients. I'm having great luck with this because it is such a terrific product with um, a blend of, I think is what's needed for not only promoting sleep, but also getting quality sleep. And when gets quality sleep, then there's restfulness and the next day is better. And then the next night is better. And it becomes a progressively positive cycle for the human body. And the next product in the performance category is focus and recall, focus and recall. And I think that is the featured product that um, is coming into play for those with long COVID and brain fog that develops after COVID-19, the respiratory infection, but also after COVID-19 vaccination. And then finally, the main horse in healthy cell is the targeted support of immune super boost, immune super boost. And what we have here is a series of products that really can toe the line for patients who are working their way through the COVID-19 pandemic, either at risk for COVID-19, have had COVID-19 and recovered, are in the post-COVID syndrome, which is now a diagnosis we put in the electronic medical record and are suffering through a variety of manifestations of post-COVID syndrome. And then lastly, those who are in the throes of vaccine reactions of some sort, whether they be uh, acute serious vaccine reactions or the more common mild uh, prolonged vaccine reactions. We now know the spike protein lasts in the human body after the respiratory infection or after vaccination for up to 15 months. We had this breaking development uh, brought to you on America Out Loud Talk Radio with Dr. Bruce Patterson on a recent 
episode. So we know this is the case. And so we know if the Wuhan spike protein is in the human body for up to 15 months, it's going to cause damage. It's going to cause inflammation. It's going to set a whole variety of immune responses up working against our body and potentially damaging cells, tissues, uh, intercellular communication systems, and very importantly, influencing organ function. And here is where we need the maximum dispense for the body, uh, the maximum and the most appropriate blend of micronutrients, uh, minerals, as well as vitamins to help the body get through this difficult time. So go to HealthyCell.com and check out the products. And in the promotional code, use the term out loud for 20% off your first purchase. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here at Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the law enforcement profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. We call it End of Watch. Today, I have several more names to read. The first is Master Trooper Daniel Stainbrook with the Wisconsin State Patrol, Wisconsin. Master Trooper Daniel Strainbrook died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. Master Trooper Stainbrook had served with the Wisconsin State Patrol for 20 years and was assigned to the North Central Region Wausau Post. He survived by his wife and two children. Master Trooper Daniel A. Stainbrook, Wisconsin State Patrol, Wisconsin. End of watch, Monday, November 15th, 2021. The next is Corrections Officer Rhonda Jean Russell with the Blair County Prison in Pennsylvania. Corrections Officer Rhonda Russell was shot and killed after a struggle for her firearm at the holding area of the Central Court Building in Altoona. A male inmate attacked and disarmed Officer Russell while waiting for a court hearing. An Altoona police officer who was in the court building saw the altercation between Officer Russell and the suspect. The suspect had restrained Officer Russell and aimed the weapon at the officer. The officer shot at the suspect, but the suspect moved Officer Russell into the line of fire. She was transported to the medical center in Altoona where she succumbed to her wounds. The inmate who attacked Officer Russell was charged with murder second degree in murder of a law enforcement officer. Officer Russell served with 16 years with the Blair County Prison. She is survived by her three sons, fiance, and parents. Corrections Officer Rhonda Jean Russell, Blair County Prison, Pennsylvania. End of watch Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. And the next is Deputy Sheriff Frank Ramirez Jr., Independence County Sheriff's Office in Arkansas. Deputy Sheriff Frank Ramirez was killed in a single vehicle crash on State Highway 14 at about 12.50 a.m. He was driving eastbound during a period of rain responding to a call for assistance when his vehicle left the roadway on a curve and became airborne. Deputy Ramirez had served with the Independence County Sheriff's Office for five months, had previously served for two years with the Batesville Police and the United States Border Patrol. He is survived by his wife, son, and daughter. Deputy Sheriff Frank Ramirez, Jr., Independence County Sheriff's Office, Arkansas. End of watch, Thursday. November 18th, 2021. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, serving the people of their communities. May they rest in peace. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in to the Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. 
It's a great privilege to have you listening in to this show. As always, I would encourage you to visit thewoundedblue.org. That's thewoundedblue.org. The Wounded Blue is the National Assistance Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. They truly need your help. Um, Take a look at the website. Check out the documentary film, The Wounded Blue, and support the men and women who have sacrificed so much for the citizens that they serve. We'll be back again next week for another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. Stay safe, stay healthy, and happy Thanksgiving.